listening to She Shield Pod, your one-stop pod for all topics personal safety. I'm your host, Sophia, and my goal is to help educate women and men on concealed carry, martial arts, and all topics self-defense. Today, we have Janae DeCossin, the 2023 Tactical Games National Champion of the Women's Elite Division. Oh my goodness on the podcast to share her journey uh, with us. I'm so glad you're here, Janae. First of all, congratulations, and thank you so much for being willing to share some of your victory with the pod today. I know it's going to inspire so many people, so I'd love for you to go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners. Thank you, and thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah, My name is Janae. Uh, I am a tactical games athlete. This is only my, I've only been doing this for about a year and a half, so I'm relatively newer to this space. Um, and when I'm not training for tactical games, I'm coaching CrossFit. Um, I come from a CrossFit background, so I mainly spend my days training CrossFit and shooting guns and then teaching people how to fitness. So that's me. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like so much fun. Yes. Well, I'm so glad fun. you're here. I know... We talked a little bit before this about your journey and uh, kind of where you've lived and the sports you started in. I'd love for you to, if you don't mind, repeat repeat that to the listeners so they can kind of hear where you've come from. Sure. Uh, so I grew up in Michigan, um, in around Marysville, Michigan. It's very close to Canada. I played ice hockey growing up for my entire life and ended up playing that in college as well very normal in the north for females to play hockey. I've noticed as I've moved more and more south throughout my life that people are more blown away when I say that. <laughs> but where I come from is totally normal. And I did play all the other sports growing up, basketball, volleyball, soccer, but hockey always had my heart. I think um, I, by nature, am, I feel a little bit more fierce and like a little warrior. <laughs> um, and hockey really complemented that for me and bred more of that in me. It's definitely male dominated. And I played boys hockey a lot growing up until I was able to switch over to girls as I got older. Um, but even still, when I was playing female hockey, there's still male coaches. And it's definitely an aggressive sport, fast paced sport, and being fierce is a good thing and it's condoned. Um, and I feel like those days of playing hockey really, you know, built that into who I am. And I love that I can still use that today in tactical games. Um, obviously you just have to keep it in control <laughs> and know when to use it and when to not. Right. But, um, those years in the sport really, you know, put that in my heart. And then also being, in a male dominated sport just didn't ever really bother me. It just felt like, you know, we were all the same and there was no scaling or, you know, something different for the girls. We were all just on the same playing field and what the guys were expected to do. I was expected to do. So that was really cool. And I got to play through college until I finished out in college and then found CrossFit and I've been doing competitive CrossFit ever since. Um, I, from Michigan, moved out to Colorado and was starting CrossFit out there. Met some amazing people and some friends that I still hold very dear to heart today. But um, life took me down to Tennessee. I was living in Tennessee for a few years and 
that's really where I did most of the competitive CrossFit that I was in. And then in Tennessee, I found tactical games and tactical games is, you know, fitness plus shooting. So I think a very cool thing about the CrossFit community is that we're so familiar with the fitness aspect, but um, for me, the shooting aspect was very new. So tactical games was very appealing to me because it brought in something I was very confident in with the fitness aspect. And then something that I was not confident in, but wanted to learn and merge those two things together. So was very, um, very appealing to me. And I love that it merges those two worlds that probably would have never really met. You know, I mean, I know speaking from my personal life, I was always interested in learning how to use firearms. And I had only shot a couple of times growing up for fun with my family in Michigan, probably shot a pistol, you know, 10 times for fun and never shot a rifle really. Um, So I would have never gone straight into something like USPSA or any other of the shooting sports because it was, you know, really, it's like looking at a mountain and being like, I don't even know how to get up there. (laughs) I can't even handle a firearm right now. (laughs) And then also I'm not really that interested in it because it didn't, it wasn't like, it didn't involve the fitness aspect. You know what I mean? So now though, I've gotten exposure to two gun style stages through tactical games and USPSA style stuff. And I love it. It is now my favorite events in tactical games. (laughs) And that's just so ironic to me because I thought I would just enjoy the fitness and shooting part of it. And now the purely shooting stuff I've found is the most fun. And I'm looking forward to going to more USPSA matches and um, like pure shooting style stuff that, again, I never would have been a a part of or known how to get into um, if it wasn't for the tactical game. So I love that it really bridges those two worlds. So um, after being in Tennessee for a few years, I've moved on to Texas and I've been in Texas for the past couple of months, um, three or four months, I think I did that leading into training for nationals and now I'm here. So now I'm in like the shooting Mecca in a way <laughs> I was in a very fitness Mecca prior and now I'm in a, a shooting Mecca and I'm very, very much, um, enjoying learning so much about shooting down here. And there's so many opportunities to shoot with other great shooters. There's ranges everywhere, matches everywhere. It's definitely just a whole different world. So thankful for that. Incredible. Oh my gosh. Yes. And that, that sounds like so much fun. It's just music to my ears. Um, And it, I love that perspective of the tactical games bridging, you know, the sport, the sportive side, and then the shooting side. That's, that's awesome. I've always seen it as like people already do both and then they just combine it. But from your perspective, uh, you kind of came in wanting to, uh, focus on the competition athletic side, and then you took on guns kind of following that. Correct. Yes. And I do think that you, you, I see why you think that most people do both, but I think that's actually Mm -hmm. incredibly rare. And I think that most mm-hmm. people only fitness and shoot together at the competitions and maybe yeah. a few times leading in because it's hard to fitness and shoot. Interesting. There's, there's not many ranges that accommodate that. And 
it's expensive, yeah. like to have enough ammo and then to have your own equipment to bring out to a range. Like it takes a lot of buy-in to do that. And yeah. I think when I look around at tactical games events, most people either come from military LEO where they do a lot of shooting and maybe they do some fitness as they're training for their jobs. Right. But so they're a little bit more middle ground where they kind of do both. But then there's also pure okay. shooters and pure fitnessers that are trying to learn to fitness or learn to shoot <laughs> and me in the middle. So right. it's def- definitely a wide array. Um, and I think you would be surprised at how little people actually fitness and shoot throughout the year. That's kind of the fun of these events is you get to do it together because you don't have a lot of access right. and resources to train like that all the time. At least most people don't. I know in Tennessee, finding a range that would accommodate me bringing fitness stuff out, even drawing from the holster and like doing reloads or moving and shooting was incredibly hard. Right. So out here it's easier. Um, but I think most people don't have the resources to set that kind of thing up on the regular for themselves. And it's an awesome opportunity to go and get to do it when we have competitions. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm I'm lucky enough to instruct at a local range where they let me go in the morning so I can do things like draw from the holster, but I've not really considered like what I would do if I didn't have that connection. And yeah, that makes total sense. If you don't have your own range in your backyard, like we talked about before this episode, or yeah. someone knows someone that has that, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it would be very difficult. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Are there a lot of people that come from the gun side and then want to get more into fitness and discover CrossFit because of the tactical games? Yes. And the first thing that comes to mind is the humble pie they put on the rest of us in shooting events. <laughs> so Really? Yeah. Like people that are super experienced shooters can just come in and clean house on two gun stages or fast aggregates. Like they shine. In those moments, I'm thinking of a specific guy, uh, (laughs) John Hatcher. I know he, I wasn't at this competition, but Jacob Hebner is a national champion this year. And he was doing, they were doing a regional event earlier this year. And uh, John Hatcher is no, no one is near as fit as Hebner. Like he's a CrossFit Games athlete. I mean, people are near as fit. I shouldn't say that, but Hebner is exceptionally fit, right? So like, incredible athlete. And then John Hatcher is like fit, but like normal person fit, incredible shooter. (laughs) Absolutely smashed Hepner in this long range (laughs) stage. And the way our our points work is like the top score gets a hundred percent. And then the other scores are relative to that. So then, you know, he could like 30% Hepner, which would be a difference of like 70 points that he gains, which is huge in a weekend. So I'm just using that as an example of like John, you know, competing in something that he's exceptional at, like spent a lot of years training, right. Um, Can go and put a hurt in on people that are coming into the sport from the other direction, from fitness into shooting. And it's so cool that the sport offers opportunities for each side to shine. Cause there's going to be pure shooting events. There's going to be, your fitness events and then there's going to be majority that is fitness and shooting so if okay. you're if you're working towards being well-rounded you still have a moment to shine when you're in your wheelhouse but the majority of your work is like a mix of both you know what i mean 
So they can, you can definitely put some hurting on people (laughs) being an awesome shooter. And uh, I just hope that like people see tactical games, even though they might not be the most fit as an opportunity to just go see where they're at and enjoy the competition, even though you might not be physically where you want to be yet, or for us physical people coming in, not the best shooter compared to where we want to be yet. It's still an opportunity for you to go learn and grow in competition and see, okay, this is working and I've gotten better here. Here, I'm still falling short. I need to work harder here. (laughs) Um, The only way to know how to keep moving forward in the most efficient way is to um, go and test those things every once in a while. So I think it offers a little bit of everything for people coming in from either direction. Yeah, that's wonderful. I appreciate you sharing that perspective because that's it's something I thought about, but not in this depth. So I appreciate that. And that kind of brings me to one of the things I was going to ask uh, next, which is what is the breakdown of the tactical games from like, if you don't mind just doing a little bit mm-hmm. of a deep dive, a little bit of a deep dive, that's, that's contradictory, but um, kind of like explaining the different divisions and um, gear and like how the regional versus national uh, competitions work. I don't know if that's something you feel comfortable explaining. Yeah, I'll give you my best because I'm okay. newer to the sport, but right. I got the I got the lay of the land, I think. So um Okay, perfect. So how it works is throughout the year, just general structure, <clears throat> there are a certain number, like I think it's like eight to ten regional events. What that means is it's a competition, they're all across the United States, and it's like a if you're competing in elite, it's like a qualifier for a national championship. If you're, if you don't have aspirations to necessarily compete at a super high level in the sport, you just want to do this because you love it. Then it's an opportunity to come out and compete. That's it. There are, and then all of that, all those regionals, if you are in like the top five in elite, and I think in like masters 40 plus in women's 40 plus, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure. Cause those are still very competitive divisions you qualify Mm -hmm. for the national championship at the end of the year, which is if you're a CrossFitter, it's like our equivalent to the CrossFit games. Um, It is the big kahuna competition at the end where ideally all of the best people from the regional events throughout the year have earned a spot to come and compete together where we then crown the fittest shooter, (laughs) the national champion of the tactical games there at that match. Um, As far as divisions go, there are, starting from elite, there are men and women's elite, which is your heaviest weights. Um, I should note before I go go through the divisions, the shooting is very strong majority, the same across all of the divisions, which is really cool. Okay. So if my friend was competing in women's intermediate and I'm competing in women's elite, we're shooting the same targets. And at the end of the weekend, we can compare our targets if we wanted to, (laughs) or compare our shooting scores on a two gun stage. Um, and there'd be the same. The only thing that changes is the fitness. So I might have a heavier sandbag than my friend in women's intermediate. So the fitness is a little bit more difficult. So just wanted to preface with that, but (laughs) there are men's and women's elite. That is the heaviest weight. Yes. And that's what you did. Yes. And up up until now, the other stipulation was also that elite was the only division that had to run iron sights. Everyone else can run in a red dot on their pistol. 
So this year we voted and unfortunately we lost. I'll just insert my opinion there. <laughs> and we're going to do, uh, <laughs> and we're, we have red dots for next year now. So now the entire field in 2024 will be able to run a red dot. So uh, that's elite. And then there's also on a sidebar to that masters. So there's men's 40 plus and women's 40 plus. I say that because it's not really scaled. They're still amazing. <laughs> um, right. It's right. still very competitive divisions. It's just the master's version. Then there is men's and women's tactical, men's and women's intermediate. And I would say that tactical is like, so it kind of goes in that order where it's elite at the, the hardest level, tactical, a little bit less difficult, and then intermediate, a little less difficult than tactical, if that makes sense. There's also <clears throat> team events and some regionals have offered team teams to come in, even if it's an individual regional event. I know Nick talked about maybe changing that next year and having only a couple events that are designated teams. I don't know if he was referring to just nationals or all the regionals, but there are some events that you compete as a team. It can be male, 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 female, uh, two females, they all compete in team and the team division is definitely more fun than anything. It's great for someone who's looking to get into the sport, but maybe is a little, um, like weary about what it's going to be like and wants to test the waters. Um, having someone beside you is so, so helpful at first, if you're just getting into it, because a lot of things are happening <laughs> in, in, in a stage there's fitness that sometimes is changing each round. The firing sequence might have <clears throat> you changing ports on a barricade and doing a certain number of rounds out of each barricade. Um, you know, you might be shooting pistol one hand. Like there's so many different variables to remember that sometimes it's really helpful to have someone beside you so that as you're new and there's so much to take in, you can bounce things off of them and they can help remind you, Hey, that's supposed to be single hand, you know, so that you don't get penalty points for shooting it wrong stuff like that. And then also it's just a lot of fun to have a buddy with you and the fitness in that team division for the regional events for sure is definitely um, approachable for anyone. If you do general fitness, you're going to be fine um, in the team division. And then there's two like competitive team events throughout the year where you'll see the elites team up, the elite individuals will team up together and we'll do like co-ed teams and that will, there will be like a, an elite team division. So if you're working towards elite, you can find a partner that wants to do the same and then compete against the elites together. Um, just as an example. So I think that covers all of the divisions. I would say tactical is a little, like majorly comprised of military LEO. Um, I'm not sure I understand. Sorry, my Siri just went on. <laughs> No uh, <laughs> serious timing in, but I think that's all of the divisions, but it's pretty much like the fitness scales okay. throughout the divisions. And then the shooting stays the same. How many people are on a team at once? Two. Sorry. I didn't say that. Two people. No, team. I you may have, I, I was just yeah. like digesting it all and I missed it, I think, but okay. Good to know. Yeah. Cause I, I think I mentioned my friend and I want to do it together and that would be like a perfect way to that do would it. Be perfect. And, yeah. And so did you start in a team or did you start solo? No. So 
I'm kind of like a trial by fire girl. <laughs> okay, I like it. Okay. <laughs> and coming from, so I did my first event last June in Ohio. And leading in, uh, I was, again, confident with the fitness, but I had very minimal um, firearms training, like just enough to know the basics of what I was doing and how to be safe. And given that I was learning so much about firearms, I couldn't even think about the fitness being a factor in the weekend or else I would get distracted by that and like forget how to shoot. Um, not in an unsafe way, but like, I'd forget to move ports and like, I'd shoot really bad. So for me going in, I was like, I know the fitness is the only thing that changes through the, through the, the divisions. Right. So why would I, I don't want to go down in the division because the fitness will be, is already easier than CrossFit where I was coming from. So I wanted the fitness challenge, but I knew that I was going to go up against the best girls in the sport because they had signed up for Ohio as well. And I just accepted my fate. I was like, I'm going to take some humble pie and (laughs) just go get my butt kicked in elite because I want to know how I want to see and compete alongside these girls that are so, so good at their craft. And I want to know what it's like to be beside them so that I can better train to where I want to be. Um, so (laughs) despite some advice that was given to me, (laughs) I was like, no, we're doing elite. (laughs) Yeah. So, and I'm so glad I did. And let's be honest. I got my, I got my butt handed to me. I got whooped, (laughs) but, um, something I was so blown away by is that the girls that were the top in the sport, um, and my direct competitors were so, so kind they were incredibly willing to help me understand what I was doing, um, give me tips and tricks if there's anything that they could help me with. Um, they're just so eager to help new people come in. And I think that that's widespread against the, across the community. That's not just in women's elite. And that's something very unique about our sport. And I think speaks to the heart of like why we're all doing this because it's mo- so much more than just a competition. Like we want to see I say we now because I'm officially a part of it. Like I've been in it more, in, more than a year. Yes. So I'm on the team. I would say so, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like we want to see more people come in, show up, and learn how to use weapons safely, efficiently. We want more people in our sport that are like minded um, or that want to be and just don't know how. So people are so, so eager to help. And I love that about our sport. And so go looking at that weekend, like I got my butt handed to me, but I learned so much and watching them do their thing was incredible. Uh, like they're so strong, they're fit, they could shoot really well. And I was like, holy crap, this is something else. <laughs> so I just went straight in and that's, that's my style. I, uh, I think it takes humility and knowing that you're going to probably get last, but it also, I think depend no matter what division you choose go in knowing that like you got to be humble and just try to learn the game because for me I didn't even really understand what the game was until I went and tried it and with the preface of you need to know how to be safe and to handle your weapons that is like something that can't be overlooked in going into a competition but if you don't know how to do that there are people there that will you know, reach out to someone in the sport and they will teach you how to do that or give you resources 
of where they learned. I'll do that even. Um, but like, as long as you can be safe, then go and just try and find out what works. Like the only way to, to know what works for you and to understand the game is to go and test it out and try. So for me, that was a big eye-opening experience. And after I got done with the weekend, A, I was exhausted mentally because I was just trying to learn so much. I bet. <laughs> and B, I was like, okay, now I understand the direction that I need to go to, to get better at some of these things. And that was perspective I could only gain by being on the line next to those other girls. Absolutely. That was beautifully said as well. And yeah, I can attest to that. You lit up when I told you I was thinking about competing. So and yes. that was like encouraging to just like see your reaction to that as the winner of the women's elite. You cracked me up. <laughs> I think I can speak <laughs> to that because I'm officially part of them. That's so funny. Um, I love that so much. Oh my goodness. And I hope that's encouraging to anyone listening who is like wondering if they are worthy of such an experience. And I love that you're recommending like, hey, going team-based might be good, but also this is my personality type. This is what I did and it worked yeah. for me, obviously. So um, I love that you're showing both sides of that. I, I think for me, the team thing would be best because <laughs> I, <laughs> I like knowing that I do well when I have accountability and knowing that my training would affect my training partner will be the reason I show up. Yeah, 100%. Um, I I'm planning to actually, I haven't said this on the podcast yet, but I'm planning to compete in bodybuilding early 2024. So Ooh. once I, um, yes, I'm currently in prep. I'm it. very stressed, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> I'm like the best way ever. Like yeah. I, my coach increased my cardio this morning and, um, like, I, I'm finally at that place where I'm realizing my lower calories are like affecting my training. Oh. So I'm, it's, yeah. it's grind time for sure. So once it's I get fine. past this goal, I'm, Gonna, thank you. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to kind of readjust to uh, heading towards tactical games. And I just missed CrossFit. And um, we ch we got to, uh, Janae and I got to chat about this a little bit before the episode, but I have had the honor of having a family, CrossFit family before, and it is such an incredible experience. Mm -hmm. And um, for those of you that have never tried that out or had it, just, I, I dare you to go <clears throat> try it out and CrossFit pushes you like no other sport, like even my bodybuilding, like pushing myself is one thing, but having someone like having a family there to like, you have 10 people yelling, like, let's go like on a weight you never thought you could push. Like there's mm -hmm. nothing like that. Um, I'm rambling at this point, but I love it. Keep going. I'm excited <laughs> to hear. Oh, thank you. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm so happy to hear uh, your perspective on that. It's, it's wonderful. And um, I am curious, what was your training like from week to week? Did you have a schedule? Was it kind of just like, okay, I'm weak in this area. I need to work on this. What did you do? Yeah. Um, okay. So that definitely changed throughout the year. The year being okay. defined as after nationals last year, leading into okay. this year, because nationals last year was a very big turning point for me where I was like, oh my gosh, hmm. I'm ready to give everything to this. Um, so after yeah. that, I started training, <clears throat> not that I wasn't training with purpose before and training hard, but like I, I really devoted everything that I had to, to training for tactical games after nationals last year. So yeah. Early on, throughout all of it, I was training CrossFit and then working in some TTG-specific movements. Um, just depends on the how far I am out from, from competition. So one to five times a week, it just depends. Um, 
I was at Mayhem for three, close to three years prior to moving down here to Texas. So I did a lot of training at Mayhem and following Mayhem Athlete. Um, and that just worked for me to be well-rounded. And I found that CrossFit transferred really well to tactical games. All that I needed to do was add in some, some more sandbag work. Um, I did not need to do as high level of gymnastics that you see in CrossFit. Like really there's no purpose in me doing a ring muscle up for tactical games. Right. It's just okay. not applicable. However, rope climbs are great. We still do that. In tactical I was about games. to ask about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Those are terrifying. So we do rope climbs and <laughs> like, we'll get over walls. For instance, we've done that before, which is, you know, training like a bar muscle up in CrossFit, stuff like that. We'll, transfer over, although you're not doing that exact same thing, just having the upper body strength to kind of like shimmy your body up a wall or stuff like that. Um, so for the most part, it would transfer. I just kind of swap some things out for sandbags. Like I said, a lot of posterior chain work, um, ruck running, um, and heavy farmers carries things like that axle bar. <laughs> so that's what my physical training looked like throughout most of the year. And then as I get closer to competition, I just do more of the tactical game style stuff. And then shooting wise, I really didn't have a lot of access to stuff at first when I was living in Tennessee. Um, I honestly, it was really tough at first to know what do I listen to? Who is an ex who even is an expert in the shooting space, stuff like that. So I, at, at first just started researching stuff on YouTube and Every professional shooter I could find, I was trying to ingest as much um, information from them as I could. I found Ben Stoger, um, JJ Ricaza. Uh, I watched a lot of the T-Rex arms training videos. I love those. Okay. And yeah, those are great. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I'd read books like I, Ben Stoger has like adaptive rifle or whatever, but there's an insane amount of information available to you on YouTube from all of those people. <clears throat> so I started watching a lot of stuff from them and then just doing the best I could to put some together, put together some sort of plan for dry fire. And I was dry firing like an hour a day. And honestly, I can't even tell you that I was always doing the right thing, but I was doing something. <laughs> um, and there was definitely things Absolutely. at first that I thought I was doing well. And I had it right. And then I'd go and talk to some experts in our sport that I became friends with. And I was like, hey, is this like, is this okay? And they'd be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Try this instead. <laughs> and I remember posting on my Instagram even. I posted a story of me doing like reloads. And I did like draw, draw plus one, reload one, reload one. It's just like the practice reloads. I don't even know what I'm doing in my basement. I'm just trying some stuff out. And People from our sport would respond to me and be like, hey, try this when you're reloading, like index finger, look at the magwell, then present. Like, I'm like, oh, I got to look at it. <laughs> like, all right. So it was just funny because there's That's so incredible. much I didn't know, but there's always people that <clears throat> I could bounce questions off of if I had them. Um, and I think... <laughs> It's, it has to be a skill of yours to just be a, a learner when you're getting into something new. And that includes being resourceful and then also just being willing to try things out and figure out what works and what doesn't. Um, and at first it was a lot of that. And then I met my significant other and he 
knows a fair amount about shooting. So he helped me a great deal at first on pointing, (laughs) pointing me in the right direction with what to, what to pay attention to and what has validity and what is something that I should maybe be a little cautious about listening to. And he would help me out with like drills to do in dry fire, stuff like that. Cause I don't know what a dry fire session is supposed to look like when I'm just starting out. Right. No idea. Um, right. So he helped me a lot with that. And then I was able to meet, um, some experienced shooters out here. One in particular, Jared Halbert, um, he is like a veteran in the tactical games sport. And I definitely learned a lot through him about, you know, if I ever had questions about, Hey, I'm really struggling with, you know, hitting this reload consistently. What am I doing wrong? I could like send him a video and he would help me out. So with that said, um, a lot of, I dry fired an insane amount like, and just test. There's this Bible verse that says, test everything and hold on to what is good. And I hate to like bring that into a, a game like shooting right now, no. but I think, it, no, I think good. that it generally, that is an amazing concept and that applies to, you know, so much greater things than just you know, dry fire right now, but humor me and dry, again? uh, test everything you know and hold on to what is good. Test everything and hold on to that. what is I good. I needed to hear it. Yeah. yeah I needed so, to hear it again. Yeah. Okay. From a faith perspective, that was like my a verse that I held on to a lot at first because I was I had a lot of questions about like what it what was actually true in faith and like what did I actually believe? And like I was very skeptical about stuff. And I literally tested it. Like I started reading the Bible and like <sighs> leaning into all things that it said to do. And it was kind of, it was my way of testing faith. And then I was going to hold on to what is good. And I mean, luckily for me that it, it proved to me that faith was worthwhile in my life, that it was true in my life, that it made a difference in my heart. And all of that was because I was able to test it, I guess. So I, that's why I say I hate to like shallow it down to a dry fire example, no. but same no, thing, but way different. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to go down there and try stuff, you know, like you just got to go Absolutely. figure it out. And, <laughs> um, Absolutely. and then you, through that process, you find out what works and what doesn't. And then you go to competitions and you're like, all right, that, that dry fire I was doing, didn't really serve me as well as I thought it was going to. I probably need to shift and do more of this. Um, So my training going in was just my days were spent a lot of like fitness in the gym. And then the time that I was away, I was just doing dry fire. Um, I like to do a big session at one time, but I know several people that will break it up to maintain mental focus, which I totally understand as well. Um, Right. And it's just a lot. I used to joke that I was like, all right, I'm going home to play with guns in my basement. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) If you know, you know. I feel like it's one of those. (laughs) So true. That is so funny. Oh my gosh. It made me feel so crazy every single time. And, but I loved it and I was learning so much. And it, I mean, I told you before the podcast too. We're both like, you have to (laughs) yeah so I know I told you this before the podcast but um Mm -hmm. there are so many days down in that basement too this was back in Tennessee um where I was training like I'm an hour deep in dry fire and I'm like you know doing 
shoot on this side of the box, reload, shoot on the other side, like moving and shooting. And I'm down there feeling like a secret agent at this point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what yeah. am I doing right now? <laughs> what am I doing? Like, this is so crazy. And <clears throat> it's so funny. It was, it's like, I'd have these humbling moments where I'd be like, you know, I'm training for a game right now. This is literally a game. Um, and there are people out there. And when I say people, the strong majority of our sport in tactical games that are training like this for real life, they are military, LEO, <clears throat> something of that nature where they use these skills every single day in their real lives to protect their communities, to serve their communities, to protect their families. And that brings a heightened intensity to what you're doing. And it's very sobering because every single repetition matters for something so much greater. And here I am in my basement and I'm, I know this about my competitors, like every, almost every single one of them has so much purpose behind what they do. And they're out there working full-time jobs during the day at these, you know, <laughs> LEO mill jobs. And then they have, most of them have families they come home to that they have to be great moms and dads. And then they have a small amount of time that they get to dry fire and work really hard on this. And they probably feel like crap, <laughs> you know, they're probably tired from a long day and they have to do it to stay sharp for their sport and sorry, for their job, for real life stuff. And I'm over here like playing around for a game is what in like a very sobering way it felt like. And it gave me so much yeah. guilt um, because guilt to the point that like I've had conversations with Jake that like bring me to tears about this because I feel like God brought me into this sport back when uh, nationals last year. Like I, I don't want to sound bad when I say this, but like I've never felt God more in my life than I did when I was training for nationals and at nationals and not like I, I say that because I don't want to sound shallow. Like it wasn't, I just felt like he was with me. (laughs) I just felt like he was, he was really with me and like using me and teaching me things in such a powerful way that I was like, this is where I was meant to be. And here I am like training for this game, which is such a unique opportunity. Like I have minimal responsibilities in my life right now. I'm, I'm coaching full-time with CrossFit, but that is nothing near you know, being a full-time SWAT team member (laughs) and working for a local, you know, police department, stuff like that. So I have all this opportunity to train and I'm like spending all these hours, like building all these tactical skills. And I'm like, man, for what? Like, is this always going to be just for a game? And I pray so hard that like one day it's worth something so much greater than me. Um, I don't know what that means or looks like, but why would I be drawn to get all like to gain all of these skills, how to like, how to handle weapons. Well, how to shoot really well. If it wasn't, if it was just for a game, you know what I mean? And maybe, I don't know. I don't know what that looks like, but I want to have faith that like, it'll be used for something greater than just this game later on. And I have a lot of respect for my competitors that use this sport to make them excellent at their job. Because that's really freaking cool. And tactical games is hard. Like shooting under that kind of stress is really difficult. And 
Oh, it is. I can't speak from a perspective of I do that job because obviously I don't, but every, every single person that I've talked to that is military LEO talks highly of how well is has become a like training tool for them to be great at their jobs. Um, and extends so much bigger than just this game. And I just think that's the coolest thing. Um, and I hope that, you know, my story has something greater than me one day too, but I think the majority of the people that get into it, this sport is a, a building block or like a, an, a catalyst to make them better at life. Um, which matters far more than a game, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. <clears throat> we talked a little bit before. I need water too. Dang it. I don't know. What, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but we talked about before this, how we're both pre-med. So, you know, yeah. we both were pre- pre-med, excuse me. I don't know if I said were, um, uh-huh. I'm so used to saying I am pre-med that it, <laughs> it comes out sometimes. <laughs> oh yeah. Are you ready to step up your shooting game? Introducing Walkers Incorporated, the pioneers in ear protection for shooting, hunting, and commercial applications. For over 25 years, Walkers has been revolutionizing the industry, ensuring your hearing safety and enhancing your shooting experience. Anytime I'm on the range, indoor or outdoor, I use Walkers ear protection to have crystal clear communication with my fellow shooters. I currently use the Silencer 2.0s and the Razor Slims for my range adventures. Not only does Walkers protect your hearing, but they also also protect you. Being able to communicate with others on the range is vital to personal safety. You shouldn't have to sacrifice your safety when the ultimate goal is for overall better self-protection. With walkers, you'll experience unparalleled comfort, unmatched innovation, and the industry standard in shooting ear protection. Never settle for anything less when it comes to your safety and enjoyment on the range. You can save on Walker's ear protection and support the podcast by using code SHESHIELD. That's S-H-E-S-H-I-E-L-D at checkout. You know that one reaction can have several catalysts. So what I see um, is that the games itself is encouraging to these individuals. But have you ever considered that you're also a catalyst for these individuals to train harder and to try to be more than they are? And like even people like me who um, are new to the games, but are wanting to train for self-defense purposes Mm -hmm. because truly and honestly, and um, again, I know you didn't ask my opinion on this, but because we talked about this a little bit before the episode, (laughs) but that just came to me like you, I'm sure someone from the tactical games has looked at your work and thought, okay, I need to be better next year. And like, here are Janae's scores and here's what she did to train. Like, I'm sure you are doing that and you just can't see it. And um, either because it's just not made available to you or that person isn't wanting to share that or it just hasn't mm-hmm. happened yet. But um, man, like it's so easy to say from the outside. I know that that doesn't change, you know, necessarily yeah. how you feel right now. Um, but also, uh, you know, I went to, I talk about Craig Douglas's ECQC course and like any weapons-based entanglement I've done where like your cardiovascular health is, more important than like marksmanship at that point, because you're just trying to like, say someone's grabbing for your gun inside the waistband. Mm. Um, I trained with LEOs that are, they have, they they bring their level three retention holsters uh, and people are uh, Craig Douglas or whoever the instructor is, will tell some, you know, their opponent to grab for the holster. A lot of it is just beating the other person in endurance. Like Mm. 
can I like make sure my weapon doesn't come out of my holster? And like that happens to everyday citizens all the yeah. time. That's why like retention from inside the waistband is also important for us. And so you're also encouraging people to consider their level of athleticism and yeah. the defense of self is one of my favorite ways that's ever been put. Ryan Hoover of Fit to Fight came on and talked about that, how it's not just self-defense, it's defense of self, protecting from cardiovascular right. disease and prevention, disease prevention in, in, um, in general. So you're also encouraging people like you who are on the civilian side of the mm -hmm. law to better themselves athletically as a protector of themselves and their family. Like, I really right. hope you see that. And, and if not, mm -hmm. maybe one day it'll, it'll hit you. Um, <laughs> maybe tonight when you're falling asleep, something, <laughs> but you really, you really are serving a great purpose in that sense. And well, thank you. Um, that's very encouraging. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And that's, that's so cool to hear. And I love what you said. Like, that's, that's such an important point is that like being a protector is just knowing how to shoot is not enough. Like you have to be physically right. capable to, yeah. you know, run, <laughs> to move quickly, yes. <laughs> yeah. strength to yeah. pick someone up and carry them with you. And I don't want right. to speak out my butt here. Like I know everything about this cause I don't, but like physical, your physical capability has to be there as well or else what is it worth? You know? Um, so I love what you said. And I just wanted to note on, I totally am with you on that. And then <clears throat> wrapping back to the first thing about like my story being an encouragement, I thought, I really hope that <laughs> people see it in an encouragement in this way. So I was totally unqualified to be where I'm at right now in the tactical games. I, I say that because I did not have resources. I had zero of my own gear. I knew literally next to nothing about shooting. Um, I didn't have the money to afford ammo and to afford any of my own stuff. At first, I had to work really hard just to buy my own first Glock that I bought used. I bought a Glock 34 and like upgraded the trigger on it and got different front sights that were a little bit skinnier, the Dawson precision, precision ones. So I could like see smaller targets and it was the most humble thing that I could compete with viably against the other elites. Right. Um, I didn't know my own rifle. So I did my first tactical games because a very good friend of mine at mayhem saw me working out in the gym in CrossFit. And it was obvious that like, I was never going to be a games athlete. Right. So he knows that I love to work hard, <laughs> sees me in there working hard, but that he knows that I'm not, I feel like I'm not where I, I feel like there's something else, you know, I'm like, I'm not getting anywhere here. So he did tactical games prior to me and was like, Hey, I think you'd love this. And very generously him and his other friend, um, taught me how to shoot enough that I can go and compete and lent me all the gear I needed to go and compete. So I competed with 100% someone else's stuff and just knew enough to, be safe again, like I said, and that was about it. <laughs> and after that, I was so on fire for it. I was like, I need to fight for this. So that's when I worked really hard. And like, I had some awesome members at my gym that helped me get set up with my first Glock and like my belt set up, but I still didn't have my own rifle. So I could drive, I could start dry firing, which is great. Cause I have my own pistol, but I didn't have a rifle yet. 
And then um, Jake, um, who's now my significant other, uh, <laughs> very sly of him. He, I think this was a tactic. He uh, he asked me oh. if I was going to nationals, and I was like, no, I can't go. I don't have a rifle. Like, I don't get to play. I don't, I don't have my own stuff yet. And he was like, all right, well, you can borrow my rifle, and you need to go compete. Like, you need to be there. And yeah. just had yeah. faith in me that I could do it, which is super cool. So I only had the rifle for a couple of days before I went out to nationals. And I was, I remember at nationals, like learning how to see clamp on the side of a barricade. Like I didn't know hardly anything, but I was so overjoyed just to be there and to have the opportunity to, to try this out. What a cool weekend. You get to fitness and shoot all weekend. Like it's just awesome. So, um, yeah. he, again, like I was just very blessed that, people were generous to me and led me into the sport and gave me a chance and like saw something in me for whatever reason that I would, I would thrive here, that this is where I was supposed to be. So I competed with Jake's rifle at nationals and then I did pretty good and I got fourth. I was not too far out of the podium. So, and I had a lot of errors in the weekend. But Jake allowed me to use his rifle until I could win my own. So in tactical games, when you're doing elite, each regional event, if you win, you win a weapon. So sometimes you win a staccato, other times you win a Sons of Liberty Gunworks um, rifle. Or we did a, an event out at the Cobalt Kinetics range in Utah, and uh, I won a Cobalt Kinetics rifle. So Jake was like, you can use my rifle until you win your own. Cause he knew that like, that's the only way I'm going to be able to get my own rifle. Like, again, I don't have money like, like that to just start dumping it into buying different weapons. And like the optic on that is so expensive. So I started off very humble and small with what was minimally viable to get me started and worked hard to earn better things. Um, like Thank God I did, because there's zero chance I would be able to afford a rifle like that if I didn't win it. So um, I like I was able to win a rifle. I had another friend, Carla, who is an OG female in the tactical games that lent me a staccato. And in our sport, a staccato is a pretty big separator. Like you can, I won with my Glock in Utah. It's like totally possible to win with the Glock, but having a 2011 is pretty advantageous. So she lent me that and allowed me to train with that all year. And, um, my good friend, Jared lent me a rifle to compete with as I was getting my cobalt set up because it had some little bit of issues that needed to be taken care of on it. So through the generosity of other people, I was able to get a setup that would be sufficient enough for me to do the work and then go and compete for real. Um, and I count those blessings every single day. And I'm so, so grateful for that because it makes zero sense that I would be led into a sport where money is such a factor. <laughs> like everything costs so much. Like ammo costs a lot. I ended up grabbing an ammo sponsorship which helped me That's like incredible. so much because I never would have been able to shoot like that without an ammo sponsorship. So I just, every single time, like these little things would work out in ways that I didn't expect. I was led to them in moments of like, there's no way I can make this happen. Like, I don't have the resources to do this. Like, what am I trying to do here? 
are we sure that this is the right sport? <laughs> and like, right. God just works in cool ways. And, um, I'm very excited to be currently like, to be getting into a position now where I'm gaining enough stuff that like I can start lending stuff out. It's so cool for nationals this year. I lent out my Glock to some friends of ours from the gym to use. And I was like, Oh my God, this is so cool. (laughs) It blessed me to be able to do that because people have done it for me. And that's the essence of the tactical games for sure. Um, But I hope that encourages people that you don't have to have the most expensive stuff to start. You don't have to have everything figured out before you start. You have to know how to be safe. That's it. And then come and learn. Come be a learner and watch some incredible things happen around you because they will. Um, I have full trust in that. That's awesome. Yeah. So I hope that that serves as an encouragement to people that like you don't have to know everything. You don't have to you don't have to be wealthy enough to buy all the fancy things like the great deal of my training was dry fire. That doesn't even cost anything. And researching how to use your reticle for long range and like watching training videos, all of that stuff is free and makes the biggest difference. So. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And that is so wonderful and full circle that you're now lending your gear out. That's awesome. And yeah, I can't imagine I, we're going to slowly start getting into that, but I know that was one of our first conversations. My friend Lisa and I, we were like, trying to find out what gear we have we can from USPSA that we can repurpose. And we were both kind of like, yeah. oh, so we need like another 750 just for like our rig or something like that. We we ended up getting, uh, we like mapped out what we needed to buy over the time between like now and then. Mm-hmm. And we were like, okay, cool. Like this is an investment. Like, because um, we mm-hmm. wanted to do it this past year, but I was coming from being a master's student and she's still a doctorate student. We were like, you know, maybe financially we should just chill on that <laughs> and be like a little bit more prepared. So yeah, I, I've seen that side a little bit. Um, yeah, but, uh, it's good well, to know that like, go ahead, go ahead. There's always cheaper options for gear too, where I, okay. this is not my words, but someone wiser than I, like there's certain things that you want to shell out for. And then there's other things that it really does not matter. It just needs to get the job done. Okay. So as long um, as it's like safe and yeah. For example, okay. I know this is not the pre- mm-hmm. preference of everyone, but the belt that I run right. is T-Rex arms and it's their most basic line belt. I think it's like $70. Um, okay. I have a Blackhawk omnivore holster on it and then five eleven mag pouches and the mag pouches are pretty cheap. I probably spent, I think they're like 20 bucks to $30 for a double. And I have like okay. two pistol doubles and one rifle double. And then my vest from T-Rex Arms, I want to say is around 120. The They have mm-hmm. like these, it's called an AC1. And it has like rifle pouches that can attach to the front that uh, it's like a placard thing. So that's all my mag pouches right there that I need. Okay. <clears throat> and it even has like pistol ones in the sides if you needed extra storage. And then... So that's like pretty cheap comparatively. And then the plates that go inside, I use sand plates. 
because we're training for a sport in this, not like to, you know, right. stop bullets. <laughs> so it, right, it's right. a lot easier to do the fitness stuff with sand filled plates. If you've ever heard of okay. those and you can I'm actually not. Okay. So it's like, it looks yeah. like a plate, but it's got okay. these like seamed lines down them. And then in between the seamed lines, the fabric is filled with sand. So they kind of like flex. Oh, okay. And the weight is established via the sand, but the sand doesn't move because it's packed into those like lines that are sewn. Um, <clears throat> really cool. I that bought mine for more expensive cool. than I should have, but there's a cheaper version that makes them. I can't remember the name. You'll have to, we'll have to catch okay. up later about that, but it's, I think they're like sure, sure. $35 or something for the cheaper version that functions the same oh, as the bougie awesome. ver- version that I bought. So I'm just saying there's like workarounds to compete with minimalistic gear, especially as you're trying to figure out what works and what doesn't for you. Cause you don't want to shell out and buy a bunch of expensive stuff and be like, man, that really didn't work. (laughs) So, and then the the T-Rex arms uh, sling that I run is, I I think that's pretty cheap too. Less than a hundred for sure. I forget. I'd have to look it up, but it's, it's affordable. And that's everything that I own. Oh, that's, like, awesome. that's all you need right there. The belt, the vest, right. and then your weapons. So that's the costly part is okay. the weapons. But. And you mentioned some, first of all, thank you for explaining all this. I was, um, gear was kind of like uh, something I really wanted to talk about, but I also was like, no, I don't want to waste their time with this. So I'm glad that I'm glad you no, went into, that's it, yeah. into it. Really appreciate it. And um, I have two directions I kind of want to go in from here. First of all, do you, do you like the, um, or like, like, did you find the videos helpful that are on the tactical games website, uh, that kind of like show you what gear you need? Yes, for sure. I definitely watched them. Okay. I would say coming into the sport, not knowing anything about anything, I was pretty confused by a lot of it, but, um, I just bought what they said for the most part. And mm-hmm. if anything was expensive, I kind of double checked with Jake or some friends of mine, but just keeping it simple up front was key. And the videos are great okay. on the tactical games website. Um, they also have access to different training tools like tactical games university, which is a weekend where you go and show up and work with experts in the tactical game space to get specific tactical awesome. use training. So you'll shoot, you'll, you guys will talk about, you know, stages, talk about what we might see in a tactical games. They'll talk about zeroing usually, um, different, just anything and everything you might need to know. And then they'll do some like sample stages in those weekends, I think too. And then now there's a thing called uh, tactical games skirmish, which is a one day competition. I shouldn't even say it like that. It's a one day, like, trial competition <laughs> so you'll do four okay. stages but the cool part is usually on game day real competitions the ro's that help run it don't really have time to you know like sit with you and like talk about the stage and talk about strategy and like how you might do this or that on the um skirmishes there's an ro and several people around that can help talk you through every single part of the stage that you're about to do and strategize and there's other competitors that are there to train as well so you guys can get the benefit of training via via a competition stage but without the pressure of like doing it 
at max intensity. Like, you know what I mean by that? So it's a lot more, yeah, like a lot more of a learning experience. And then, um, absolutely. I think those are the main resources out right now from tactical games that were definitely helpful that I didn't find until later in the sport. I wish I would have done them sooner. Yeah. And I didn't do them until I was until like mid this year. So I was already, okay, you know, a couple okay. competitions under my belt. And I was like, dang, these were helpful. I wish, <laughs> wish I would have done that sooner. <laughs> I mean, right. No, that's totally fair. It but, looks like it worked out for you, but that's that's good to know. Like, I started, yeah. when I started USPSA, not that I'm anyone in USPSA, um, but I was lucky to have had an instructor to walk me through all of it. And yeah. um, it felt so much better. And I didn't, like, get any training scars from just kind of, like, taking bits and pieces from random people and kind of piecing it all together. I was able to have someone consistent to kind of show me the way. So I can see how that would translate over to the tactical games because it's, it sounds like it's so diverse that having someone to hold your hand a little bit yes. would be so helpful. That makes a lot of sense to me. Extremely helpful. Yeah. hundred percent. And there, cause there's so yeah. many things to think about, um, so many different things to consider um, that when you get an expert in front of you, they can take those years of trial and error that they've already done with their, with tactical game specific stuff and just condense down some stuff for you and make it real simple. Right. So this is a big confusing thing becomes real, real basic. Right. Um, and that definitely helps Absolutely. me. Those are the resources from tactical and games that helped me the most. I've been following a little bit on the website as you've been talking. And for those listening, I will link the website and what everything she's talking about, the Tactical Games University, the gear videos in the show notes, which are the notes below the title. So you can kind of follow along if you'd like. Um, I'm not seeing anything about a price and I may, it may just be because I'm like, my attention is diverted right now, but mm-hmm. um, are these, these are like classes that you purchase and then you attend, or are these like events that are put <clears throat> on that, Yes. I can't speak to the university one because I haven't been to one in a while, but the skirmishes are around $75 to come and do a day. Okay. Um, And what that includes is four stages through the day. Usually one of those is like a two gun style stage um, or similar to the USPSA, I guess, style thing. Um, and then the other three stages are usually more of like the fitness and shooting classic tactical games stages. Okay. That's wonderful. Good to know. Okay. Yeah. Pretty good deal. Um, yeah, absolutely. It sounds like it. That's, I'm like trying to take this all in my, I know I can just go back and listen to this later, obviously, and I will, but (laughs) (laughs) no, this is, this is really great to know. Um, and you did, you mentioned USPSA. Do you also... And I'm, I apologize if you're repeating yourself now, but okay. um, did you also shoot USPSA to prepare for this? Yeah, um, good question. I had shot maybe like two local two-gun matches <clears throat> when I was in Tennessee, okay. but the community of shooters was a lot smaller there. I, or maybe I just wasn't looking hard enough. I don't know. I couldn't find it. Like okay. not in the same way. Like the matches gotcha. were harder to come by. And then I would mainly, so I only did a couple of two gun ones. I have never done a USPSA. I, it is an aspiration of mine this year. Um, okay. How exciting. Yeah. I'm very excited to get in yeah. on it. I, all my friends awesome. in tactical games do USPSA as a training tool. So it's very common because usually us 
folks that come from fitness, that's the biggest thing that we need to work on is the two gun style shooting. I say two gun because that's what we call it in tactical games is like our two gun status. So I'm sorry if that's not the right thing to say, but the like USPSA style stuff is very difficult to learn um, coming into the sport as a new shooter. So the more exposure we can get to that in those sort of domains, the better. And I don't know if I said this already or not, but I think I talked about how like it merges the two, right? And I would have never known about USPSA if it wasn't for tactical games. So I am looking forward to doing more of those. I think I'll try to do, you know, once every month or something like that this year, just to expand my shooting horizons, be more well-rounded. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And I think it's definitely common amongst our community to get more involved in those domains as well, not just tactical games. Absolutely. No, that's, yeah. that's super exciting. I think you're going to be set obviously, but I mean, I think it'll be great to like be able to focus on one thing at a time and also because you appreciate a sense of community wherever you train yeah. and you've got that with CrossFit, like kind of developing that with your USPSA people. And like, it's, it's so great. I finally have a squad in, uh, I, there are three places I like to compete locally. Um, I've not done that consistently. I'm slowly getting to where I like consistently go every month and I work that into my schedule now mm-hmm. that I'm not traveling as much, but I finally have like a squad now at one of them. And they were like, come out to lunch with us. And I was like, okay, like, I, I guess. It. And it just feels right. Like it feels so good to be part of something yes. um, bigger than just kind of like showing up to a competition, not really knowing anyone's name. So right. I, that's going to be so fun for you. I think, um, yeah. And uh, I'd love to know, we've talked about it being so multifaceted in the sense of like firearms and training, uh, but like the mental prep side of things, mm. uh, is that something you would like to speak to as far as how did you prepare for the mental um, kind of yeah. like strength you needed to compete? Absolutely. Um, I think that rolls deep. Um, so starting from way back, I think playing sports growing up, gives you so much opportunity to refine that competitive mindset. It forces you into pressureful situations and high adversity situations in a like no risk environment, right? Like if I lose this game, it actually means nothing, but it feels like it means a lot. (laughs) So that force like pressure is so refining growing up. And I think instilled a lot of good foundation in me. However, I think it was unrefined until I was an adult. So I say that in the terms of like, I was incredibly competitive. I felt very calm within adversity or high pressure situations, but I don't think I was mature enough to be in control in the same way and have more of a bigger picture perspective as I am now. And that's something that I worked on for a lot of time, especially at Mayhem. Um, I did something called Mayhem Mindset with Jim Hensel. And the purpose of that is like establish your identity. Um, You establish your core values as well. Connect that to a routine that you use in your life. So it's basically helping you define who you are what you believe in, and then how you're going to use that in your life so that it's very applicable. And doing that process and working with him for, you know, a a long time to follow while I was there really helped refine me 
not only in life, but as a competitor too. And <laughs> I found myself, I actually texted him after nationals and was like, I used my mindset all weekend. <laughs> um, That's awesome. But those, I heard Jacob say yesterday on a podcast, we were on Jacob Hedner. He was like, you know, I love training so much more than I love competing because the pressure of competing, it can be so high and like, it's stressful. It's so stressful. So yeah, I can um, imagine. Yeah. So going into those weekends, like all of that mentality work is honestly a big difference maker because everyone's going to have a bad event. It's going to happen, you know, but how can you recover from that? And are you going to let that ruin the rest of your weekend? And I think champions can stay in control and can bounce back from unfortunate things that are bound to happen, you know, and that doesn't mean that it's easy, but it's something that we must do if we want to succeed in anything, you know? And I found myself using a lot of those tools over nationals for sure. For instance, there was one day, I had a really good day Friday, which is the first day of competition. And I was like, oh, this is too good to be true. So it's going to happen. <laughs> and Saturday morning, I had two rough events back to back and I was so upset. I was like, and I knew I had built a lead, so I, I didn't need to be as upset as I was. And I knew I needed to let it go, but it's like the time that elapsed for me to let it go and move on was more than I would have liked to. There's, I could have let it overtake me and had really two, like two bad events to follow after that. But the ability to, you know, calm down in my mind, capture control of my emotions and be like, okay, this is how I feel. This is something Jim taught me. How do you feel? And then what do you think? And how I feel is emotions-based. I feel upset. I just bombed that stage. I'm better than that. I'm pissed about it. I don't want them to gain points on me. <laughs> you know, this is all the emotion right. side. And he's like, okay, have that because you're going to feel first. And then we're going to put that to the side. And now we're going to talk about what we think. And what we think is based on our values. It's based on our tr what we know to be true. And is our powerful foundation that we can use to move forward in, in strength. And in that situation for me, I know what to be true is I'm a, I'm a great athlete. I can do this. I can have, I have opportunities later today to have great events. If I can choose to put my emotions aside and go execute my values are, I care about, you know, I have a list, but in this circumstance, I care about how I hold myself as a competitor and I don't want to hold myself in a negative way in front of anyone here. So if I have emotion, I want to go do that separately. Like I took a little walk and then I was like, I'm going to come back with my head up and a smile on my face and we're going to keep moving forward because that's who I want to be portrayed as, right? Like that's right. the type of person I want to be is a, is someone who can face adversity and not be completely shaken by that, who can stand in uncomfortable situations in adversity and be strong and per persevere through that and never quit. So you take those things, just as an example, and that becomes the strength that you use to then move forward and let that other stuff go, let the emotions go. 
there's so many instances when I, I use stuff from him, but I think we can be our own worst enemy in competition sometimes. And it can really hold us back from reaching our potential because the, the pressure is great <laughs> and the pressure exists because we care so much about what we do. And that's awesome. Like we should, we should care that much. Um, but it's all about how you frame it and pressure is a privilege. Like what a cool opportunity that we get to go care about something so yeah. much that and like want to compete this hard that we feel pressured about that. Like, hell yeah, let's go. Um, so it's just about how you Absolutely. frame that. It can, it can crush you mm-hmm. or you can use it as fire to push you forward and keep achieving the best that you can do. And I think I said it in one of my interviews, but like, and this was after I was doing well on Friday, I was like, I'm trying to just stay focused on doing the next best thing. That also applies to when things go bad. <laughs> like, okay, that sucked. Yeah. I'm better than that, but I can't change it. Right. I'm learning from that. And then I'm going to focus on doing the next best thing because that's what's productive. And at some point, like in competition, emotion isn't useful. You have to be able to separate that and keep moving forward and do the next best thing. So uh, kudos to Jim for helping me, me with a lot of mindset stuff. And it extends so much beyond competition too. It's like the ability to turn off your competitive nature as well, which is the hardest part. You know, three, two, one, go. You're going to be fierce. I already talked about how I feel like a fierce little warrior. <laughs> and like the coolest yes, thing is yes. like, you get to go dark for a little bit <laughs> and it's totally okay. <laughs> but, right. um, but outside of that, I have to also be able to turn that off like quickly after we get done competing and be able to, um, be light and love is how I view it. So three, two, one, go, I get to be fierce. I'm being a warrior and I'm going to fight hard because both things honor God, in my opinion. Like, he made me fierce. He made me a warrior. He also made a different side of me that is light and love. And I want to be able to Beautiful. display both of those with all the strength I have. So when I get to go in the right spaces, I'm going to fight hard. <laughs> and then yeah. the hardest thing is turning that off. And then in the next heat, when I'm judging the next competitor behind me, you know, I'm going to be light and love. You know, I'm there for them. I'm there to give fist bumps to my competitors around me to thank the people that were cheering me on. And that is so hard. And I'm not perfect in that yet, but it's something I'm always striving to be better at because it's so easy to just stay a little too consumed in that, (laughs) the compete mindset, you know? Um, And I mean, that applies to daily life as well. He always talks about, he has a lot of military LEO that he works with and like, you know, coming home from work and you have, just experienced a day that was so draining and probably had a lot of darkness in it and the ability to leave that at the door and then walk into your family who needs you to be a great husband or mom and be light and love for your family. Like that ability to shut that off and leave it at the door and then be new when you walk in is so hard, (laughs) so hard, but something that I think is worth striving for. And something that I know I'm striving for in my own life. Oh, I love that. And I was just talking to um, my husband the other day about how like women are expected to be these like nourishing and almost like we're prided on our nourishing and uh, gentle nature and mm-hmm. how that's so different from almost like the gumption and like ferocity you need when you're competing in something like this. And 
um, how I'm sure that's something that is like hard to balance when you, when you're making that a career and you're making that your full-time gig, but you're also trying to be like the nourisher in the household. Right. And I, I love that you just went into that. I, that's not even something I dreamed of bringing up here. But oh my gosh. That's such a good yeah, thing I, that you said too, though, because especially in male dominated sports and like, I, I have a lot of masculine, uh, interests. <laughs> I do a lot of fitness. I love to shoot guns. I played ice hockey my whole life. I genuinely enjoy yes, yes. talking to the guys. Like we talk about guns a lot yeah. and like things that yeah. interest me. And that doesn't mean I don't love my girlfriends cause I do. Um, but I have so much masculine, like stuff in me, I guess like influence. Yeah. Inside yeah. of me that okay. I, I also, it's been something that I think about a lot to like preserve the feminine nature in me too, because I also have a very feminine side that loves to get my nails done and like yes, yes, do girly things. And like, there's just certain things about yes. me that I'm like, I got to keep my girl flair, you know? And same yes, thing. I do like in a relationship too. Like I, with Jake, mm-hmm. it's like, I want to be very feminine in, in that. And I think that you can totally still preserve that femininity while in masculine dominated sports or endeavors. And yes, it's not impossible. And it's actually really cool because you bring in this different flair to the space, you know, and I hope that encourages more females to see that it's not just a dude thing. Like there's so many, there's girly things about it. My trigger in my Glock was rose gold. Cause I was like, I keep that girl oh, flair. Awesome. <laughs> I yes. loved it. It's so cute. I'm here I for the cute it. stuff. So <laughs> yes. just little things that's like that. Awesome. But I agree with you entirely on that. There's, there's something to be said about preserving some femininity and it's okay. Yes. I used to be anti like pink guns and anti-color and don't get me wrong. Like my whole closet is just filled with black sweaters and shirts and blue even freaks me out, even though that's my favorite color. But I recently started adding like blue flares into my train into my gear to like Mm -hmm. make it my color. And like, cause don't get me wrong. I do black all day just to look tactical and professional. And like, I kind of thought that's the way it needs to be. But um, at some point you're introducing your unique nature and character into a sport that um has been like a certain way for so long and that isn't like really meant to stay you know unanimous or um, there's a better word for that but Mm -hmm. um yeah I love that you're encouraging others to do that that's so funny I hate that I went through that phase but yeah you're reminding me with your gear like flaring it up the first tactical games I went to (laughs) I show up in like biker shorts that were black, but I had a tie dye crew neck, oversized crew neck. That was, you know, pastel tie dye. I had on um, like Burks and white socks and I had a (laughs) Starbucks latte and (laughs) I had my hair in my top knot bun. And I roll up to the the morning brief and I look around and literally everyone is like super serious. They're in all black. They got combat boots on. They got tattoos. I'm like, damn, I am so out of place. (laughs) I am posted. (laughs) But it was so authentic to me. I was like, this is what I'm rocking. I love it right now. Um, It is not. It is a. Definitely a thing of mine to like wear the most colors at the range. Like I'll have on like pink tie dye underneath all my gear. Like gotta keep some girl in it, you know. But it's so funny. I remember posting on my story. I was like, I need more black 
in tattoos to stand in this crowd. <laughs> but hey, every, every every place needs a little bit of, of flair, you know, needs some life, needs some color. So. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it makes it, I think, more comfortable for other people to feel like they can come in and add their character to it. And yeah, absolutely. And almost demystifies the the sport and the event. That makes total sense. Yeah, I even got like, this is probably silly, but my big step away from black was getting something in multicam black the other day. Like, that was a huge step for me, like just not getting it. black. And um, yeah. So yeah, it's whatever I think degree that you, you know, the individual is comfortable with, but for those that do want that flair, like you're setting an example that that's okay. And it makes it's it okay in this space. For you and, we need your color. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. I've worried as a female in this space before, like if I'm too feminine or I share, and I know I kind of just said something like this, but if I share mm. too much of that feminine side that I won't be taken seriously, mm. that's something that I've, I've worried about. And then I kind of got to a place where I was like, honestly, like as long as I'm modest, you know, like to the right. level of my comfort, anyone else can do their own. I'm all for like, you do you a hundred percent. Like if you're a gun bunny and you know, you're a gun bunny and you like a gun bunny, like, I've never heard that. It, then <laughs> that's so funny. You've never heard of gun bunnies? No, no oh way. my gosh. That's a thing. What? That's so that's funny. So surprising. It is a thing. So gun <laughs> oh, bunnies are dying. like, just to clarify, like if someone's listening and they don't know are like Typically women that, um, I'm trying to, I guess they dress up, um, maybe in like not super realistic tactical or even like protective gear. Um, but they look, you know, they're like showing off their features and they're Got holding it. a gun all cutesy and they're right, not necessarily right, okay. like practicing safety or like practical I call it hot girl That's stuff. kind of what I, yes, hot girl stuff. Um, I typically... <laughs> To me, like, gun bunny is derogatory in the sense that, like, I, I do see women whose pages are, like, just them posing with guns and looking pretty, and there's nothing wrong with that until I see something that's, like, unsafe, and they're promoting that because right. they have a large following. Totally that's agree. where, like, yes, like, that's where that word bothers me. Yes. And I've always been so afraid of being, like, looped into that group um, just because I show some, like, feminine flair. But I've since realized that, like... Totally understand um, that. I have since realized like I cannot focus on the people who don't understand my mission and like my, um, my like purpose here. And I need to focus more on making it more inclusive for, you know, women to relate to and also just making, so weapons-based entanglement is like my favorite thing ever. If I could be an instructor and a master at anything, it would be like, um, CQB, uh, extreme close quarter concept training. So and, badass. Um, oh my gosh. It's so fun. It's awesome. Oh. And my, I won't get too far into it, but like I started in martial arts when I was 13 in a traditional Korean style martial arts, got my black belt after seven hard years of work. The Korean, um, grandmaster actually came down or the grandmaster actually came down from Korea to test me for my black belt. It was a big deal. Uh, turned 18, got my black belt. And then I started training in Muay Thai, started training for a Muay Thai fight, uh, kind of behind my parents' back. I, they didn't want me to do that because they wanted me to like go and be a good pre-med student, not get concussive blows to the head. But when I, uh, when I was training, I broke my nose a few times. I had to have reconstructive nose surgery. My surgeon like begged me not to go, uh, into combative sports. I went into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, broke my nose again, had a second surgery 
And then um, I've had to take a big break, but when I do train and when I can wear like protective gear over my face, weapons-based entanglement is like my favorite thing to train because it's so applicable to what I'm doing. And I try to, I try to make like, make it fun in the sense that like, I'll sometimes like train that stuff in cute outfits or I'll not wear all black just to make sure I'm not like closing that door for other people. But I'm, I'm getting more comfortable with that side. So it's encouraging all of that to say, it's encouraging to hear you say that you are also practicing that and um, you're just being yourself. And it Hmm. makes people like me feel like I could have a place in that too. Since I'm not law enforcement or yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, that's so cool. And I would love to learn from you on that stuff someday. So that's on the list of things that like, Absolutely. I don't, I started like learning some stuff about CQB at one point, just cause I thought it was so awesome. cool. <laughs> I was like, in, yeah, in my process is. of watching these videos about tactical games, I was like, you know, I'm never going to have to use this in tactical games, but it's super rad. And I just want to know. <laughs> so I'm going to have to You'll learn that, that from you. Absolutely. I will do my best to show you. I'm not an official instructor of that yet, but that's on, that's like a five-year goal of mine for sure. Um, I love it. But yeah, I, I appreciate that. And so um, I guess the the last thing I want to make sure I ask you before we go, if you mm-hmm. still have time, is yeah. um, like, as far as your self-defense journey goes, is there anything that, uh, any steps you're taking? I know you talked about um, appreciating the kind of protector mentality and training. Is there anything you want to add in the future in addition to tactical games prep USPSA to like help you be a better prepared citizen? Absolutely. Um, currently I don't have like an everyday carry license. What okay. do they even call that? Concealed carry license? Yes. I don't know. They yes, call it something different in, mm-hmm. in different CCL. places, I think. Yeah. So, yes, you're exactly right. It varies. Okay. So I currently don't have that. But now that I feel safe around weapons and proficient with that, it's through tactical games, like gaining proficiency in all the repetitions I've done because of that sport, I feel ready to carry. And like, it's kind of a little bit of my duty to do so because I can manipulate a gun so well relative to an average citizen (laughs) that um, I would love to pursue that style training, not just to know obviously I know how to use a gun, but like, there's so much more than that. And you can talk to this at length more than I can, I'm sure. But like, when, at what, like, at what point would I draw it? At what point would I be like, yes, I'm going to pull the trigger. Like there's, there's a lot of responsibility that I assume comes with that, or I can imagine comes with that, that I don't know enough about yet and would like to learn more about, which is so cool for me because it's something that I strove for, for a long time. Like, and this mind or this idea in my mind that I would like to, but I never felt like I was comfortable enough around guns to do that. Um, so now I feel that way and I'm ready to start getting into that kind of stuff. I thought about doing like jujitsu and stuff like that, but oh, right yeah. now it's a little much on my body. Um, on top of the training that I do. That's so, fair. Yeah. So I have to be yeah. a little bit more selective, totally fair. but um, I would like to learn a lot more about how to use my skills. Again, like I said earlier, for something greater than me. So <clears throat> I have a friend too, that does like Abel Shepherd in Colorado. And I don't know if you know anything about that, but they teach civilians. I, I can't speak intelligently about it, but they teach civilians okay. seal like training so that if something were to happen in, you know, a grocery store, a movie theater, a public place, 
that these citizens are equipped enough to step up and Amazing. handle the situation. Um, and he's a civilian and he's training alongside a bunch of Navy SEALs and ex-military guys and stuff like that. And I'm just so drawn to that. Um, I feel like my warrior heart is made to do something of that nature, but I don't know what it is yet. So it's kind of a question of <laughs> that I'm trying to uncover for myself right now as well is like, what can I do with these skills down the road to make them worth something more than just this game? And um, I'm excited to keep learning stuff in that realm, but I don't know much about it yet. So I can't speak to what that might be. Well, I appreciate you even sharing like your current thoughts on it and just where your interests lie, which is what I was interested in hearing. So mm-hmm. thank you for sharing that. And um, I highly recommend you look up Craig Douglas Shipworks. I can send you all the links, but yes, send me um, the links. his courses on like, perfect. He goes over something called managing unknown contacts, which is like how to um, manage if someone comes up to you and starts encroaching on your space, how to walk in an arc like function, uh, fashion to make sure oh you're not gosh. backing yourself into a corner to get, you know, a true 180 degree view, um, even like a 360 view when you're arcing enough to see behind you if there's a second, third person coming up, how to verbally deescalate, move to maybe non lethals like pepper spray, and then eventually to your concealed carry weapon. Um, so oh something gosh, like that like is great for a civilian. Awesome use it's oh it's incredible it completely changed my life um i had just dropped out of med school and then like a month or two later went to that and i was like oh my god this is what i want to do with my life like more people need to know about this and i was like one of three civilian people in that class it was a lot of leo and i remember thinking like am i supposed to be here and i was like (laughs) oh my god yes i am supposed to be here like this class is like very much so for the civilian so there are a lot of people that are teaching under him and teaching similar um, threat management types of classes. And then that along with just like legal education on like, when is it like legally in a court of law, what will this look like for me if I pull my gun out right now? Yeah. Um, of course, like, you know, there's a lot of gray area there, but um, I had a guest speaker come on Chet Palumbo for civilian self-defense to talk about, uh, he's a criminal defense attorney and like his episode even would be a good place to start. Like, okay. um, he's the lawyer grappler on YouTube and, um, just things like that, like slowly dosing, uh, yourself with education like that. It doesn't have to be like a big, uh, two week course, you know, on something. And, um, I think you would enjoy it and you would be a great asset to them as well to like share your experiences and, so um, cool. It's like would, right up your alley. I would love that. Thank you. Definitely send the links to me. Oh, absolutely. Um, I definitely want to learn absolutely. more about that. So wonderful. Right. And yeah, Craig's hilarious too. He's a great instructor. This has been incredible. I feel so encouraged to go and train and to learn more about it. And um, for anyone wanting to find you, are you biggest on like where do you like to post the most? Like I'd say Instagram. <laughs> That's about all I post on. Yeah. So definitely. Perfect. That's where I found you. Okay. Yeah. Instagram's probably I about will it. Link you. Awesome. I'll link your page in the show notes. Um, thank you so much for coming on today. Is there anything you'd like to send the listeners off with? Um, I would love to thank you for having me on. It's been so fun talking to you. I feel like we could actually talk for hours, so we'll have to chat some time again soon. <laughs> um, I'd love to learn more yes. about your expertise and learn from you and I can help you out with some tactical game stuff if you want. Um, but I just, yeah, thank you for the opportunity. It's been a pleasure.
Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so glad I found that interview with you. And uh, I'm thank you for getting back to me. I honestly was like, you know what? If she didn't get back to me. That would make total sense. She just like oh. on this big thing. I'm sure everyone's trying to get you on their podcast. So thank you so much. Um, for anyone listening, if you would like exclusive content, you can go to the Patreon linked in the show notes. Uh, visit the She Shield Instagram and TikTok at She Shield Pod. All resources mentioned, including Janae's links, will be in the show notes. And if you like the podcast, you can help by liking, subscribing, and leaving a review. If you or anyone is a firearms owner experiencing a crisis, look into holdmyguns.org. They're an organization that will connect you with the local gun shop or FFL uh, to help you in a time of need. Thank you for listening. Stay safe and stay vigilant. Are you searching for a brand you can trust when it comes to shooting and gun care products? Look no further than Birchwood Casey. Since 1948, serious shooters, avid collectors, and professional gunsmiths have relied on Birchwood Casey. They've been in the game for over 70 years, providing us with products that have stood the test of time. From their legendary true oil gunstock finish to the dependable perma blue, Birchwood Casey's commitment to quality is unmatched. Birchwood Casey has also revolutionized the way we train and improve our shooting skills with their innovative, shoot and see targets. These targets let you see your shots instantly, making it easier than ever to track your progress and become a better marksman. Head over to birchwoodkc.com today and discover the products that have earned the trust of shooters worldwide. Use code SHESHIELD to save and to support the podcast. That's S-H-E-S-H-I-E-L-D at checkout.